0: Welcome to the 38th episode of our podcast on European marketing and innovation. And you know, Carrie, this is an especially unique edition.
1: That's what George told me this morning. I think it's a wonderful way to celebrate the fifth anniversary of Affinitar, a global network.
2: I do agree. What we founded together with nine other European agencies in March of 2017 is now an alliance that covers four continents. From the A in Amsterdam, to the Z in New Zealand, passing through Dubai, Europe and North America. To New York, Montreal, Seattle, and then on further to Singapore and Shanghai.
0: It is exciting, I agree. And I don't know if the rainy Barcelona springtime is making me a bit philosophical, but this particular episode makes me think of famous advice given by King Solomon. And I quote, There is wisdom in an abundance of counselors." To celebrate the network's fifth birthday, we've interviewed three CEOs of Affinita agencies in New York, Amsterdam, and London, with a very special guest from an unlikely hotbed of innovation at the very end.
1: Brilliant. Aside from doing international business together, the knowledge sharing from around the world that we enjoy in Affinita is indeed a grand birthday gift to our global listeners.
0: We'll hear how Victor Rivera founder of Agenda New York, has completely transformed his agency, centering everything around his employees. Followed by Jelle Oskam, an impressive Dutch smart data entrepreneur. For expert advice on digital trends and B2B marketing, we'll pop in for a pint to profit from valuable advice of Jason Talbot, CEO of London's award-winning agency, The Crocodile. And the invited guest. Nice try, George. Okay then, who wants to join me? In the Big Apple. Taxi!
1: The following content is brought to you by Derby Hotels Collection, European luxury hotels. Enjoy a special 10% discount in London, Barcelona and Madrid with the code BVAlexa at DerbyHotels.com.
0: We're sitting here in a typical New York diner with Victor Rivera, and he is the founder of Agenda in New York City, founded, uh, listen to this, 1999. He must have been really brave because that was a year of Y2K and all sorts of threats to humanity and to the marketing field. (laughs) And as uh, time has gone on, Agenda is thriving, and really knows how to adapt to new circumstances. As a matter of fact, in the last couple of years, we all know it's been rather turbulent. Um, Victor and his team have completely reinvented their agency and even repositioned their main uh, focus. So I've just asked him to join us now here uh, in our chat and let us know what are the key points of that experience and how you might
3: learn from that. Um, uh, Thank you, Paul. Um, I think in terms of our repositioning when we started, as you pointed out, in 1999, back in the days when it, uh, right in the midst of the dot-com bubble, and uh, we were almost sort of a victim of that explosion, if you will. We managed to survive our very beginnings, and in the process, didn't catch up with all the changes that took place in society, technology, economics, and everything. And while we were sort of on the face of a, a successful organization, we had... Um, Uh, Failed to really find our true purpose so in the mid uh, 2016 2017 for after a number of changes in the company we set out to find our purpose and in the process uh, like all good things we almost had to break out the company in order to rebirth as the agenda that we are today and you know we didn't really know how to do that so that was a very difficult thing to do but we managed to finally, we feel, sort of arrive at a place where our purpose and our culture are the drivers of the business. So that um, typically in any business, one tends to think it's kind of um, counterintuitive. but we tend to think that the business is successful, the better it performs, and the better the people in the business perform. And what we have done is shifted from that idea to the idea that if the people in the business uh, aligned to a certain set of behaviors, the business will perform. So it's kind of flipping that equation and driving behavior internally, driving behavior with our customers. And in exchange, we, we're sort of living proof of that, that the business can be successful, in fact, our greatest year ever was last year. Once we started that process, oh. so it's a Excellent. it's a pretty scary proposition to make. But if you jump in, um, well, we we we, ju- we had to jump in, but um, the 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 results were pretty evident rather quickly, um, and that's so sort of that that's kind of how we kind of view what we thought of our business. We just Frankly, lack the courage <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to to embark in that proposition. And how did your um, clients react to this change?
0: And as I understand it, one thing that I find very attractive is you actually have um, engaged and um, you know implicated your clients in these changes. You actively have them
3: in briefings and uh, various workshops that are quite valuable to both. You you form a team. In other words, right? I mean, the clients don't they don't care. They either like what you bring to the table, or they don't like it. Uh, we don't tout the change, to, we just present it as the norm. What we have done though, in order to be able to do that, we had to exit some clients. We had to leave some clients mm-hmm. behind. Uh, so we had a, just recently a 15 year old relationship. We basically said, it's time for us to go apart. And they understood it and you know, we were able to explain why, where our level of interest lies. How we were being used, the perception of us now has shifted from what it was say 15 years ago. and we, we agree that that was so and with that perception change, uh, was a large reduction of income. but yet we, we kept servicing them as if it was 15 years ago. and uh, you know you also need to have the courage to know when the relationships are no longer working. If so courage
0: and vision, uh has meant that you just had your best year ever in 2021 and here's to a really successful 2022 uh, for agenda in new york
3: um yeah thank you i mean courage vision and really a lot of luck
1: you know paul so many companies today are faced with a need to transform themselves to even be prepared to let important clients go in order to do the right thing is truly worthy of respect
2: and not everyone is willing to risk it. This next interview especially intrigues me. You both know how important I consider the correct use of smart data.
0: In the second segment we leave New York behind and I'm now here in Amsterdam taking a very nice stroll. (laughs) with Jelle Oskam, who's the founder of Newbies, a very successful digital creative interactive uh, agency here in Amsterdam. But he is also a serial entrepreneur and the co-founder of Code Orange. Code Orange is uh, basically an incubator of very innovative solutions, technological solutions here in the Netherlands, but with uh, international clients. And perhaps uh, the uh, best-known brand is Odyssey Attribution, and uh, we'll get into that a bit more uh, along the lines of this uh, chat. But first of all, uh, Yella, I'm quite interested in these days where, first of all, it's hard to find talent for many of our listeners. Then to form a team, uh, you have the pressures of uh, the clients. But of course, we have the pressures of technology paradigm shifts. If In the midst of all of this, if we want to foster, cultivate innovation and then get new ideas that actually become a, a, a very well-known brand in our sector, in our field, uh, what's your secret? How do you do that with your team?
4: So from the, the beginning, we have always um, recruited uh, uh, developers on uh, a very young age. So we recruit them uh, while they're still studying. And well when you have a few of them, then they will invite their, their friends or their, their fellow uh, uh, fellow students. Um, and we created a way of working in which it's, it's okay to work from home far before the pandemic already. Uh, they, they work in, um, uh, yeah, in, in in teams, in, in remote teams, basically, uh, and they can work whenever they want. So it's also not a problem that they work only part-time. They work uh, in the weekends, they work in evenings. They That's work very in, interesting. They work between their, their courses in the university. Um, and for us, it's a way of, well, uh, learning them how to become a, uh, a good developer, um, and also for them, it's a great way to, to gain skills, practical skills already during their studies. Uh, and when they graduate, we, we hope that at least the, the good ones or the best ones will, will stay with uh, the company, which um, well, in, in quite a few cases happens. Um, well, there are always people that, that are, aren't the right fit, so they leave already during the studies or after the studies, or that they want to move in a different direction. For example a guy who wanted more in cybersecurity, which is not our profession but well he has worked for us for well, like five years as a student and and did very interesting work both for us as, as for him so it really works well uh, for us it's when we started was actually because we didn't have money to hire uh, like a full-time developer so we started with these students and then after a while it turned out to be a, really a USP of uh well finding talent where Other companies aren't uh, aren't looking for it.
0: Well, they say that necessity is a mother of invention. At least that's an American saying. So I think you're proving it. And uh, let's maybe switch now to Odyssey Attribution, which is uh, the brand I spoke about in the beginning. This is a tool, a platform... Um, that helps uh, brands to truly make sure that their marketing investment is in the right channels. You can uh, help the brands detect where they should be spending more money and you can quickly show them in the way that you'll probably explain a little more where they're losing money and where they should uh, perhaps end an investment. And and I I do know that uh, it's a platform used by brands such as Decathlon, Adidas, uh, Denmark's uh, bestseller brand. So can you tell me a bit more about... um, Odyssey, and then how also that uh, evolved? Because I, I have a feeling some of it was due to uh, co-creation with your customers as well.
4: Yes, it was actually when I was doing an, an assignment back in 2015 uh, at Adidas uh, on affiliate marketing that we found out that that there was a lot of money spent on on affiliates that, in in my opinion, weren't very incremental to to Adidas. Uh, We should tell our American
0: listeners that Adidas means Adidas.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it's Adidas in the US. Yeah, that's true. Um, So they, um, uh, but we didn't have the data to prove it. So we have our gut feeling, and there were some reports in Google Analytics that, well, showed a difference between if you if you compared last click attribution with first click attribution. uh, That's the well the, the numbers. Uh, dropped by uh, more than 95% or so. So we had indications, but we didn't know what the incremental value was of, of the affiliates. And, well, in order to find out, uh, we basically had to build an, uh, a multi-touch attribution tool. And that's, that's what we did with Odyssey. And well, the, the more practical thing was, well, um, together with my uh, business partner, uh, Tim, who is our CTO, and also at the time with one of our other developers, Niels, uh, who at the time was, a, was an intern, which was quite funny. Um, we, we, we just sat down and said, well, okay, we want to prove that um, that basically Alidas is overspending on affiliate. Well, how are we going to do it? How are we going to define what the incremental value of an affiliate or a traffic source in general will be? And then we just used common sense and, and came up with... The three KPIs, turn it into a model, and then we, well, we build an interface and, and well, Adidas told us, well, guys, we, um, we make shoes, we don't make software. So if you guys turn that into a business, then we'll, we'll be your launching customer. And that's, that's how it happened.
0: Well, it seems that was a bit prophetic because it has turned into a business. As a matter of fact, recently, Salesforce um, is incorporating the API in it's in the datorama isn't it datorama uh, uh a tool or platform rather so that's really excellent um maybe uh we could end by explaining the three pillars, the three KPIs that you're talking about. When you're talking about uh, the incremental, you do an incremental scoring or something. I think maybe for the more technical CMOs uh, or CTOs, that would be really interesting to hear exactly how do you how do you arrive at knowing if the channel and the channels would be what like uh, it would be um, paid, it would be social, it would be affiliate marketing, email marketing, I suppose things like that, yep. loyalty clubs, and how. How does that work with the uh, incrementality and the scoring that you do?
4: Well, we um, calculate an incrementality, uh, which is a percentage between 0 and 100 uh, of every traffic source by looking at three KPIs, which is the length, the density, and the position. Uh, The length um, of a customer journey means, for example, when you have an affiliate, you look at all the customer journeys in which that affiliate is, uh, is part of the customer journey. Like the touch points? the, different yeah, the touch points, yeah. The so, okay. yeah. So let's say that on average there are four touch points needed uh, in order to get to a sale, then the length is four. Um, which basically means that you have to divide the value of a transaction uh, among these four touch points. Uh, and then we get to the second KPI, which is the density, which says the Kind of market share within the customer journey of the, the traffic source that you're looking at. So in this case, the, uh, the affiliate, let's say that they have two out of the four touch points on average, then they have an, uh, a density of 50%. Uh, and the third one is the position. Uh, and in order to get to the incrementality, it depends on the attribution model you, you use. So if you use uh, a first click linear attribution model, for example, which means that you reward the touch points in the beginning of the journey higher than the ones at the end. Um, then uh, your density of 50% uh, will go a bit up. Let's say it will be um, uh, 55% if your position is a bit more towards the beginning uh, on average. So let's, uh, And that's always a number between zero and one. So let's say that your average position is 0.45 then probably your incrementality, in this case, uh, will raise from 50% to 55% or so.
0: So combining those three, that gives you a scoring that uh, then um, the marketers uh, can easily identify what's working better and what's not working so well.
4: Yeah, well, what it says is that when this affiliate has an incrementality of 55%, uh, let's say that it is involved in 100 transactions, so 100 customer journeys, then uh, the revenue of the value of these 100 transactions 55% of that can be attributed to this affiliate and based on that you can calculate also based on your settings on, on the budget you want to spend or you're willing to spend uh, you can calculate how much uh, advertising euros or dollars or whatever you could have spent on generating these, uh, these, these transactions in which the affiliates are involved That's very, very helpful.
0: Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. I also know that you head um, Afinita Netherlands, part of our uh, international global network. And Let me tell you one thing. I'm glad we're having this walk, but it's a little cold in Amsterdam today, so maybe we can go get a cup of coffee.
4: Sounds good. Okay,
0: thank you very much, Jelle. You're
4: welcome.
2: That was very valuable, most especially for each and every one of our listeners who are seriously focused on profitability and long-lasting results.
0: Well, stay connected you'll definitely want to hear what Jason has to say in London. So Jason, thank you very much for your valuable time. And you know, as we're entering now, we're well into the third decade with your experience and the experience of the crocodile in London as leaders in B2B marketing on a global basis. um, What would you say are the main things that companies need to know to excel in the coming years, uh, trends, but also more on a, a very uh, pragma- pragmatic and practical level. Uh, what do we need to uh, keep in mind in order to do and execute uh, excellent B2B strategies?
2: Hello, Paul. Thank you. Um, I think there are a number of things to consider uh, going forwards. Um, the first, um, for anyone that's read um, Peter Fields and Les Binet and the latest LinkedIn um, B2B Institute paper, um, the first thing is to strike a balance on your marketing investment between long-term brand building and building that lovely brand salience and short-term sales activation.
1: Paul, that's important reading for our listeners. I've put up links to Fields and Barnet's work, as well as more recent LinkedIn resources in the program notes at blog.bevirtual.com.
0: Oh, just perfect, Curie. Thank you very much. Any interested uh, listeners should simply go to the blog's podcast section and look for uh, the notes for this special episode, which is Season 4, Episode 3. Let's go back now to this highly useful chat with Jason.
2: There's a current trend against especially big tech B2B marketing to overinvest in short-term sales tactics and underinvest in long-term brand salience which is largely driven by a sales agenda a quarter by quarter sales agenda which is quite a hard routine for marketing to break but if it can the returns and the impact on long-term sustainable growth are well proven in terms of what long-term brand investment can do alongside sales activation it's not either or it's both
1: i find this new perspective extremely important for all b2b marketers it's a significant change in thinking.
0: And that's not all. Jason encapsulated quite deftly, I might add, the chief issues confronting third-decade marketers. Here's what he says about cookies and first-party data.
2: Um, the other thing um, that we're, we're seeing is uh, necessary to focus on is um, everyone's clambering um, to build more personalized experiences through, the, through their buying journeys. Uh, I think with the forthcoming shift in third-party cookies uh, that's going to happen in 2023, it's going to be really important to organize your first-party data and organize how you're going to um, adapt for um, you know digital marketing techniques going into 2023 with Google and Apple environments especially. Um, so I think we'll see the rise of CDPs in terms of um, central data platforms, customer data platforms, where you can aggregate first-party data build cohorts, and use that to start driving your um, inbound and outbound digital efforts. Um, But again, uh, you'll see that in unison with uh, an increased focus on Martech technology as an enabler um, to both organize your data and distribute your content in meaningful ways across the whole buying journey rather than just pockets to build those lovely, connected, seamless um, buying journeys that you want to deliver for your customers.
0: That's absolutely brilliant, and I think it will be immensely helpful to our listeners. Thank you very much, Jason. As we end this special episode, it's time to reveal the identity of our mystery guest. We're in Lapland, but we won't be visiting Santa Claus. However, we will see reindeer, tons of ice, husky sled dogs, and perhaps the magical Northern Lights. You are about to meet a very energetic woman who is leading innovation in such a way that she's attracting international attention. We're sitting here in Lulio with the mayor of Lulio, uh, Karina uh, Sameli, and um, At our biannual meeting here up in the furthest northern parts of uh, Sweden, we're really focusing on an explosion of creativity and innovation happening in uh, uh, Norrbotten, which is actually the region here at the top of Sweden. And so that uh, made me uh, just uh, think about how in this town, which for many, many years was unknown, how she and her team are uh, stimulating creativity and innovation and uh, uh, there's a, a terrific explosion of uh, companies that are IT. They're sustainable coming here. The, the interesting thing that um, Karina is doing is in, is that she is involving the uh, inhabitants, the population of Lulia, to help her. So, could you talk to us a bit about how you are uh, creating innovative plans here in Europe, but with the help of the people of Lulia?
5: You need to use the people who are living here and the companies existing here because when a uh, a city is growing and new factories are being built, then you need people to be a part of that, otherwise they will be against it. So uh, it's important that you involve everyone here and there is a lot of creativity here and we are a steel area, an area with a university with high technological knowledge. And we need to use all that knowledge to be able to do this transition into a new uh, green factory area very, very fast. And uh, we do not have enough time to do it alone. We need to use everyone here.
0: Okay, and uh, what many people will be very surprised to know is that the uh, Technical University here in Lulio is working closely with the European Space Agency on the Mars project, and uh, also the steel companies are orienting themselves to being fossil-free. Um, then lithium uh, battery gigafactories are being uh, produced here, so it's quite, quite exciting. So in, in like, practical terms, how do you... Um, invite the people to co-create with you? Are there meetings? Um, Do you uh, organize events? Are there visits to companies? I I don't know. Uh, You put them in a rocket ship so that they can imagine that they're going to Mars.
5: Well, uh, you need to do everything. You need to have meetings. Uh, You need to find people where they are. Uh, I mean... uh, people working in companies you can invite them to a conference people who are not working where you can do it in your job you need to invite them in the evenings and you need to do it digitally especially and people learned that during the pandemics it's very easy to have a digital meeting with people uh, you can have a chat or write ideas but also actually talk to someone else uh, so you need to do everything actually to involve people to uh, to come with their ideas ideas but also to help them to do their own transition and to see what they can do to make uh, us moving, all of us moving towards the goal.
0: Mm-hmm. And finally, there's a, a key point of your uh, talk. Uh, actually, Karina just talked to uh, all of us here at our biannual uh, meeting about the fact that there's a, a strong interest in getting uh, young women uh, educated, uh, innovative, uh, to move up to Lulia with their families. And it's also interesting to know that the women here in Sweden will be the ones deciding where to live. And so uh, perhaps uh, you might want to elaborate on that um, Uh, uh, We were brainstorming on that actually. Were there any ideas that uh, seemed particularly interesting for you?
5: Yes, there were uh, many ideas. One of them is that we need to use the green transition uh, to be able to build a sustainable life uh, and be a part of building a sustainable world. Uh, That is something that we think will attract people to come here. This is the place where you should be if you want to work with this. Uh, And that I think is very important. Uh, then also I had some ideas about how to sell our life, <laughs> how it is, it is to live in this area uh, as a woman or as a family, uh, and to be able to tell that story to others. I think that will be important. And then I had a few ideas what we can do.
0: Okay, excellent. Well, uh, thank you so much, Karina, for this chat, uh, especially after your uh, your uh, commitment to talk with us as, uh, as a network. And wishing you all the success. It's amazing the innovation that's coming from the north of Sweden.
5: Yes, thank you. Remember to check out our other Flash Briefings in the podcast section of our blog. Many of the episodes include very interesting chats with European innovators and entrepreneurs. Till then, goodbye from Spain.
1: This flash briefing is brought to you by Barcelona Virtual, a European internet pioneer. To visit us, type the letter B together with virtual.com. That's bvirtual.com.